1: Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Cancer Support Community is a global nonprofit network of 175 locations, including Cancer Support Community and Gilda's Club Centers and hospital and clinic partnerships. These locations, along with the toll-free helpline, digital services, and education materials provide $50 million a year in free support services to patients and families. Today we're going to talk about an adverse event of cancer treatment that impacts millions of survivors in the United States. The condition is called lymphedema, and according to the National Cancer Institute, it's, quote, one of the most poorly understood, relatively underestimated, and least researched complications of cancer or its treatment, end quote. Left untreated lymphedema can have a significant impact on quality of life. So we have two wonderful guests today who are going to shed light on this condition, helping us understand what it is, how it can impact your life, and what treatments can help. Amy Eversman is uh, is 34 years old and works in business development for a national law firm. She was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer on April 7th, 2018. During her treatment, Amy met uh, a support group, Young Advocacy and Support, and is now helping other young women navigate their cancer journey. YAS's mission is to ensure all young women are given fertility options before starting treatment and to reduce the feelings of isolation and distress cancer causes. As part of Amy's treatment, she underwent neoadjuvant hormonal therapy, a double mastectomy, four rounds of chemotherapy and 25 rounds of radiation well wow. On New Year's Eve, Amy started to experience symptoms of lymphedema and a few days later started therapy. Welcome to the show, Amy. And next we have Vanessa Garelkin. Vanessa is an occupational therapist and certified lymphedema therapist working at the Mayo Clinic Comprehensive Cancer Center in Phoenix, Arizona. She has an extensive background in physical rehabilitation care, having worked in various New York City hospitals and as a senior executive manager on the East Coast. A delighted transplant along with her husband and son to the sunny state of Arizona, Vanessa applies her various life and 25 years of professional experiences to assist patients who are living with cancer diagnoses to cope during treatment and get back to living their fullest lives when they have completed their care. Thank you for joining today, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. Uh, Amy, I want to start with you if that's okay. Sure. Great. So, so, um, Amy, let let our listeners know how you're feeling uh, today. I know you finished your radiation treatments just a few days ago. How are things going?
2: Yeah, no, thanks for asking. Um, they're going pretty good. Um, it's nice to actually feel done with treatment. Um, you know, over the ten plus month journey, um, I know patients listening probably understand that journey. That it's a little long but it's nice to be done with uh, radiation. I am still, infel- still feeling res- residual effects from radiation, but mm-hmm. overall I'm feeling good and my lymphedema also is getting better um, now that I'm going to treatment too or therapy with Vanessa. So Thank you for asking.
1: I'm glad to hear that, Amy. Um, Vanessa, let's jump in. Let's go straight to the heart of the matter here on the topic for the day. What exactly is lymphedema and how is it different from just swelling a person might experience? That's a great question. So lymphedema is an abnormal
3: type of swelling that happens when lymph nodes are removed or damaged in the course of cancer treatment, and as a result lymph fluid builds up in a limb or sometimes in the torso. And unfortunately, it's the type of swelling that won't go away without treatment. So that's really how it differs from the type of swelling you might get if you sprain your ankle or you sprain your wrist. You need to get treatment for this type of swelling.
1: Got it. So, Vanessa, let's go uh, Let's go back to middle school science class <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> okay. just, a, just a level set here for all of us. Um, so what is the lymphatic system Um, And and what are lymph nodes? I mean, these are terms that are going to come up, uh, you know, in the conversation related to lymphedema treatment, prevention, detection. So I want to make sure our listeners understand uh, really what we're talking about here and the role that this plays in the body.
3: Yeah, so the lymphatic system is... You know, our body's natural waste management system, it's the filtration system for toxins. And um, it's how our body kind of works through all sorts of cellular waste so that we can eliminate it. And we usually don't think that much or talk that much about our lymphatic system until it's not working right. So uh, we all probably have heard of lymph nodes, you know, when we're young. Sometimes our doctors or our parents will feel our neck and feel for swollen lymph nodes if we're getting a cold or something. Uh, But we have about 450 to 500 lymph nodes around the body found in different clusters. And these lymph nodes, they almost look like clusters of grapes. Um, They can be found in the armpits and the groin and quite a few of them in the abdomen. And they are the filtration area, and so uh, there are clusters of areas where that uh, waste is pulled out of the body, and uh, and that's why swelling can occur when lymph nodes are damaged or removed.
1: Mhm. Mhm. So Vanessa, Amy shared with us she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, can you tell us about other types of cancer that can lead to lymphedema and why?
3: Well, really, any type of cancer where the lymph nodes are affected or surgically removed could result in a lymphedema or lymphedema swelling. So, for example, in the case of a melanoma or a skin cancer where lymph nodes need to be removed because there is uh, uh, cancer spread into the lymph nodes. Um, there could be swelling, let's say, in the leg where lymph nodes m- might have been removed in the groin. Um, in certain uterine cancers or abdominal cancers, uh, lymph nodes are removed around the groin or the abdomen. Uh, in prostate cancer, lymph nodes are removed in the groin and. In head and neck cancers or throat cancers, lymph nodes are often removed around the throat and neck, and that can cause facial or neck swelling. So I really did appreciate that you said so many people, uh, so many patients are affected by lymphedema and often don't even know where to go mm-hmm. or what it is.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy, you mentioned that um, uh, on New Year's Eve you had some symptoms. What happened on New Year's Eve, that made you begin to suspect that you might be developing lymphedema, and you shared with me that you had already experienced some swelling from your chemo treatments. How was this different? What were you experiencing? Yeah.
2: So first one, um, you know, I definitely noticed I was developing lymphedema on New Year's Eve because um, when I first was diagnosed, I got a kind of a, a binder full of information from my doctors to kind of help me understand what lymphedema was, but. But what I really noticed was my arm swelling. I basically got up that morning and noticed that my arm was almost twice the size of my of my other arm. And again, just from knowing that information, I knew something was wrong. Um, How it's different from the chemo swelling is that the doctors for the chemo had told me my chemo drugs would probably swell in my legs and my arm or legs and my feet. And I also know with lymphedema, just as Vanessa alluded to, that I had the surgery within my armpits of my nodes removed. And so I noticed that lymphedema was in the arm where my nodes had been removed. So I knew that was the difference of why I had the lymphedema versus the chemo drugs itself swelling up.
1: Interesting, interesting. Um, so Vanessa, Amy just shared her symptoms um, with us. Are those typical symptoms? What, is, what are the range of symptoms a person might Um, experience. And again, just talk a little bit more about how that may relate to the kind of cancer you have.
3: Yes. I mean, Amy's presentation was really uh, very typical of a patient who gets a swelling that comes on really quickly. And that was frightening for Amy on New Year's Eve. I'm sure when I first met her, it was really kind of scary experience to suddenly have her arm swell up. Sometimes lymphedema takes longer to develop and it can be kind of slower and uh, bothersome first. So patients sometimes will feel uh, in the limb near where they've had lymph nodes removed um, or where they've had radiation. So let's say it's a leg, um, you know, by the groin where lymph nodes removed or it's the head and neck, they'll feel a sense of heaviness or skin tightness, or an achiness that doesn't seem to go away, before they might even notice that type of swelling that Amy got so dramatically. Uh, But yeah, you know, the most common symptoms that are typically discussed in lymphedema are, you know, an abnormal swelling that comes up and that just looks really weird and it's typically on one side because that's usually mm-hmm. the one side that has been affected by uh, the mm-hmm. cancer surgery or radiation or um even chemotherapy.
1: And and Vanessa, so so for how long should a patient be vigilant uh, vigilant about looking for these um, symptoms after after surgery and treatment? I mean, how long of a win- in, in how long of a window can these symptoms develop for a patient?
3: Well, I'm sorry to say that lymphedema really could come up at any point in a patient's Mm -hmm. lifetime, Uh, and when I speak to patients about lymphedema, I really want them to know that it's not something that they should be or hopefully not worrying about day after day after day it's something that could happen that they should be aware of uh, because whenever we take away lymph nodes or we damage lymph nodes uh, that area is always vulnerable to the Mm. development of lymphedema Um, but you know as far as vigilance is concerned I would say in the first year after treatment and certainly in the first couple of months after treatment uh, that is a more common time where patients might develop this sort of abnormal swelling. So always keeping it in the back of the mind, but being particularly vigilant, I'd say like in the first six months to a year.
1: Okay. And Vanessa, we're just quickly getting to our break here, but if a patient does start to uh, experience these symptoms, who should they turn to? Should they go to the ER, primary care doctor, back to the oncologist, you know, what should they do? They should go
3: to uh, the doctor that they feel most comfortable discussing these symptoms with and a doctor that they feel like will listen to them and their symptoms. And if they go to one doctor and they're not being heard, I suggest that they go to another doctor. So it could be their primary care or their oncologist or another practitioner that they feel comfortable talking to.
1: And, and they should uh, be confident that, that any doctor... Would understand this as a symptom or side effect of of uh, of cancer and cancer treatment, and would know how to deal with it, or might a primary care doctor loop the oncology team back in?
3: Yes, you know sometimes doctors are not clear on what lymphedema symptoms are, so you know an oncologist certainly would be a place to go, but um, a primary care doctor could loop the oncologist back in. Uh, the most important thing being understanding that sometimes doctors don't know about lymphedema
1: understood understood um, this is frankly speaking about cancer we're going to take a, a quick uh, commercial break when we get back we're going to uh, deepen our conversation with Amy and Vanessa um, our episode today is brought to you in part by Amgen Bristol Myers Squibb Pharmacyclics uh, Janssen Biotech and Insight we are talking uh, today about lymphedema a, um, a, a unfortunately common but a little known little understood uh, side effect of, uh, of cancer care. Uh, today, we are uh, talking with Amy and Vanessa to uh, shed a light on lymphedema to help patients understand it, inc- increase their awareness and seek the proper treatment and, and uh, management for lymphedema. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, don't go away. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Kim Tibuldo. We'll be right back.
4: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions. How to get comfortable with new physical realities. How to reassure worried family members or explain to friends your priorities have changed.
5: Or call 617-733-5848.
0: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
4: Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
1: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Celgene, Lilly Oncology, Azi, and Gilead Scientists. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo. With us today are Amy Eversman, who is living with lymphedema, and Vanessa Gorelkin, a certified lymphedema therapist working at the Mayo Clinic Comprehensive Cancer Center in Phoenix, Arizona. We're having a really in-depth conversation about lymphedema, a condition that affects millions of cancer survivors. Vanessa, what is the process for diagnosing lymphedema, and is it difficult to diagnose? Talk about that.
3: A lot of patients do experience uh, frustration with getting a diagnosis for what is going on uh, with a you know a, a limb that is feeling heavy or tight or uh, skin infections, which does come up for lymphedema. You know, in in Amy's case, she was really fortunate um, in that she got to. Um, diagnosis right away. I think the most important thing is to find a a doctor or provider who can understand what lymphedema is. Um, The diagnosis is pretty simple if one If the provider knows what lymphedema is, but it can be a real mystery uh, to a provider who has no experience in lymphedema. Oftentimes, oncologists may know about lymphedema. Sometimes Mm -hmm. vascular surgeons know about lymphedema. Uh, Mm -hmm. Certainly, certified lymphedema therapists will know about lymphedema.
1: We're going to talk about those professionals in just a few minutes. Um, Vanessa, my understanding is that lymphedema, uh, like cancer, is diagnosed with stages, each one representing the sort of the status of the condition. Can you walk us through the phases? Mm
3: Mm-hmm. So... The first phase of lymphedema is considered to be the non-visible or the latency phase or stage zero. You know, you can talk with different professionals and get different opinions on what to call it. But essentially, that's where lymph nodes have been affected, damaged, or removed, but there's really no symptoms at all. Uh, the next phase is stage one, mild or spontaneously reversible lymphedema. And that's the type of lymphedema where the patient will begin to experience swelling. Uh, It often happens, you know, down at the furthest part away. If it's on, um, you know, a leg, it would be swelling in the foot. If it's on the arm, it could be in the hand. uh, And that's basically because of gravity effects. Uh, And, you know, One of the kind of elusive symptoms in this stage is that if the patient does elevate their arm or rest a little bit, uh, the swelling will go away. But unfortunately, if it's lymphedema and related to uh, lymphatic damage, uh, it won't go away over time. So we want to try to get patients in stage zero or stage one whenever we can. Those are the mild um, or even latent stages. Mm -hmm. Uh, If patients get a little bit more progressed stage two is the moderate or spontaneously irreversible stage and that's where swelling gets worse and the fluid uh, you know not to get too technical but it gets filled with cellular protein because uh, that's mm. one of the waste products themselves and then the mm. fluid gets hard and the skin can get hard too um, mm. elevation doesn't help anymore and the swelling gets harder to treat but it is still treatable and finally in stage three that's the most severe case and that's where uh, the limb um, or the area can get almost a uh, loss of contour. It won't look exactly the same and um, much larger when compared to the other side. So, we really mm. want to emphasize uh, to all patients out there if they're having a funny swelling that they want to get to their provider uh, so we can catch it as soon as possible and treat it.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Vanessa, are there any recommendations of steps patients can take prior to treatment or to surgery that can help? detect lymphedema, reduce the risk of it, anything sort of preventative that patients could be aware of?
3: Well, you know, certainly uh, it's a good idea to have a sense of, you know, what your body is like before you go into treatment. Um, and so, um, you know, some patients do get to uh, a therapist prior to treatment, but it is unusual for us to see patients for something that we call pre-rehabilitation. A good idea Mm -hmm. is um, to be active and to remain as active as reasonably possible before and during cancer treatment. I know there's a lot of things for patients to think about, um, but Mm -hmm. since uh, the lymphatic system is associated with our circulatory system and that's where our muscles are working. Um, And because exercise and being active are so good um, for people in general and patients with cancer too, I would say staying active is a great way to um, help with the prevention or the reduction of signs and symptoms of lymphedema.
1: Got it, got it, got it. And just take a quick minute, Vanessa, to talk about, Um, infections and lymphedema. I've read recommendations to avoid cuts, scratches, insect bites if possible. What are the risks there?
3: Right. Well, lymphedema is is a condition of the skin because when you think about it, if you get swollen, if you have ever uh, had a swollen area on your body, um, that skin gets really tight and aggravated. And so when you have that sort of tightness and, and pulling on the skin chronically, that makes the skin more susceptible to infection. So when people read about lymphedema and hear about, you know, be careful if you got a cut or a scratch or a mm-hmm. cat bite mm-hmm. or an insect bite or a sunburn, uh, what we're really trying to say is that the area where lymphedema is occurring is somewhat compromised in terms of its immune system locally. It's not a general immune compromise, but it's the local area, like let's say, for example, in Amy's case, it would be her arm that got swollen. That area is more susceptible to infection than other parts of her body. And so, you know, I always tell patients who have lymphedema or have chronic swelling, carry around a little kit with a Band-Aid and some um, Mm -hmm. antibiotic ointment in your bag in case you get a scratch or a bite, and then make sure that you're watching that area.
1: Smart, smart, yeah. Um, Amy, when you started experiencing symptoms of lymphedema, you were in treatment, you were still working. I mean, you really had a full plate, um, but you immediately sought help. Why didn't you hesitate to speak up about this condition? Were you aware of it? Was it was it concerning to you? Did you tell us about that.
2: Uh, yes, actually, all of the above. It was concerning to me, and I was also aware of it. Um, I am a kind of a take action type of person. Um, Once I knew I was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, I kind of was researching a lot of what was in the binder. Um, And for patients out there, don't go down the internet black hole. You will scare yourself to death Mm -hmm. with certain things. So um, I definitely trusted my doctors um, and asked them questions about what to look for. And basically I knew once I woke up that morning that I had the swelling, that I knew what it was. It was from the lymphedema. So I'm just grateful that I had done kind of my homework before then. Um, You know, also have loved ones also read up on this stuff so they can help you because I know that it is a lot of information to take in. But I was grateful that it was in the wintertime so that I could cover it up with bigger sweaters. But I also knew I couldn't, I didn't want to go on with uh, with a Mm -hmm. swollen arm like that. So, um, you know, I called, um, for me, I actually called uh, my breast surgeon um, and, Mm -hmm. you know, let them know, like, hey, I'm swelling, and they got me into a compression sleeve, and that was Mm -hmm. actually, um, because I wanted the swelling to go down, and then I saw Vanessa a few days later, but I just knew I didn't want to keep reacting to swelling in the arm, and so I took action right away.
1: So then, so you were referred to um, Vanessa for therapy. Describe for our listeners what that therapy consists of, what the treatment consists of, and and, and how often, and, you know, give us a, a, a sense of that.
2: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my treatment still takes place at Mayo, where I've had all my other treatments uh, for breast cancer, and it's in the rehab uh, services area. Um, I've had several sessions to date with Vanessa, usually about once a week. It varies depending on Um, my radiation, because when I started getting a little bit of um, residual effects from radiation, we would kind of tailor off a little bit. Um, But I knew I had lymphedema, but I wasn't sure what what all we were going to do in treatment. So when I first went in for my first visit, Vanessa was very helpful with understanding what lymphedema was and basically what we were going to try to do to treat it. Um, before before my first therapy session I had received again the compression sleeve so that helped with the swelling but when I first was in there she also took some measurements of my arm to see how much swelling um, it was different from my other arm and then from each mm-hmm. session from there we would also um, measure to see how the swelling was going um, we also did some um, I had to do some arm exercises above my head to basically get my range of motion to see kind of where the most swelling was occurring and kind of helping just break up, um, you know, kind of the movement and try to get my arm back to a more kind of normal position. Um, We also went over some bandaging exercises as well at night. Um, And so basically my treatment kind of consisted of some, you know, exercises some wrapping and kind of doing some measuring um, every time we um, meet.
1: Got it, got it. Vanessa, we're, uh, we've got a couple minutes till our till our break here, but I know there's a condition related to lymphedema called cording, C-O-R-D-I-N-G. Can you tell us what that is, and is it common? Can it be treated?
3: Yeah, you know, you spoke a little bit about of- a bit at the beginning, Kim, about how common lymphedema is. Well, cording is another thing that's pretty common after breast cancer surgery in particular near the armpit. And uh, because research is still out and the jury's still out a little bit, we're not totally sure what the cords are, but what cording is for patients is a feeling of tugging that happens in the arm when uh, when someone tries to get their arm up over their head or out to the side. Mm. It can be very painful and oftentimes appears like almost like a guitar string or something some sort of string or cord mm. underneath the skin. That's why the, the name comes up, cording. And um, it's treated uh, by having manual types of therapy. That's been part of Amy's treatment as well. Uh, She was uh, referring to that in terms of the stretching we were doing because when she Mm -hmm. came in, not only did she have swelling, but she had this cording issue as well.
1: And so it's physical, the treatment is physical therapy or her own stretching or...
3: It's actually, um, well, I'm an occupational therapist, and so mm-hmm. you would be seeing a physical or occupational therapist as a patient mm-hmm. for cording. And what it is, is a physical type of therapy where the mm-hmm. therapist will, who's an expert in treating this can put mm-hmm. their hands onto the patient and really help mm-hmm. to stretch and ultimately release
1: Got it. these cords got it got it interesting interesting Uh, this is frankly speaking about cancer I'm Kim Thiebel we're shedding a light today on lymphedema which is a common but not often talked about uh, uh, side effect of of, uh, cancer treatment and surgery Um, we are talking with two experts uh, on the subject today we have a lot more to cover uh, with Vanessa and Amy we're going to just take a quick break here this is frankly speaking about cancer don't go away we'll be right back
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help.
4: Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials.
2: Help with finances
5: and access to care. All behind you break away from cancer created by Amgen to empower cancer patients The Cancer Support Community is proud to be
2: a partner of Breakaway from Cancer
4: Hi I'm Nick Nicolaides, President and
3: CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities' Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human healthcare, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day.
5: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
0: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
1: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Pharma, Taiho Oncology, and Takeda Oncology. We've been learning a lot today about lymphedema, with Amy Eversman, who was diagnosed with breast cancer and later lymphedema, and Vanessa Garelkin, a certified lymphedema therapist. Um, Just to recap quickly some of what we've learned so far, lymphedema is a condition that some cancer patients develop when their lymph nodes are removed or damaged in the course of their cancer treatment. The lymph fluid becomes blocked, it doesn't drain well, and that buildup leads to swelling. Symptoms range from mild to severe can appear within a few months of treatment but also years uh years after treatment so we're going to keep going uh to drill down on this subject um so vanessa what is the goal of treatment for lymphedema is it curable is it a chronic condition uh can it severely impact a patient's quality of life over the long term can you talk about that
3: Uh, Yeah, you know, we really do talk about lymphedema as a quality of life condition for patients. Uh, It's not a technically curable condition, particularly when patients have had a number of lymph nodes removed. Um, Sometimes that's called a dissection of lymph nodes um, for the patients out there. Uh, But it is a manageable condition, and the goal of treatment with lymphedema is to really get the patient entirely independent in taking care of him or herself. Uh, with the lymphedema condition and to reduce the swelling hopefully back to the patient's normal state or as close to the as normal as possible um, if it's a limb so trying to get the cosmetic result being side to side uh, being equal and also getting the patient to understand when they need to get back to a therapist uh, in order to get more treatment and I'll just say since we're talking to Amy um, yeah. you know, in Amy's case she learned really quickly how to take care of herself with her lymphedema she didn't mention that on her very first day with me which was I think kind of overwhelming We went over how to do a uh, decongestion or um, taking out the swelling technique called multi-layer compression bandaging, which is very important and really helps patients get swelling down quickly. And Amy's been really diligent um, wrapping or um, using these bandages, which are kind of like ACE bandages but have less elastic in them, and she uses those every evening. And in her last measurements, her arms were even side to side. She's been doing really great. So I think there's a lot of hope um, for patients who are willing to get involved in their treatment and, um, you know, just improve their own quality of life and control over the situation.
1: So, Vanessa, let's drill down. I have a few more medical questions for you. Um, so could you just drill down on that a little bit more? So it's called Complete Decongestive Therapy. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, please. No, you go ahead. I want to hear more about um, what that means. Just understand a little bit more of the variety of approaches approaches used to treat um, lymphedema. Tell us what that term means um, in particular.
3: So, uh, the gold standard that we talk about in terms of treating lymphedema is something called complete decongestive therapy. And that is a number of different painful and conservative treatments, not involving medications or surgery at this point um, at all, Um, and that's skin care for the patient, exercises, Manual lymphatic drainage, which we haven't really talked much about yet today, and that's a gentle hands-on massage to stimulate the lymphatic system and get things working again multi-layer compression bandaging, which I was just talking about. Those are like the ACE bandages, but without as much elastic. And uh, getting the patient into compression garments. And actually, uh, when we've been talking to Amy, she started with the compression garments, which is fine. Uh, Compression garments will support the lymphatic system and provide the compression that's not happening from the lymphatic vessels um, from inside from the outside by wearing something that's like a tight stocking on the affected area.
1: So you mentioned, um, Vanessa, that you are a certified lymphedema therapist or CLT. What what kind of person, you know, pursues that and, and, and what is the training and the licensing um, for that? Tell us more about that.
3: So typically... Physical, occupational, and speech therapists are those who would be certified lymphedema therapists. Sometimes massage therapists are also um, uh, getting to be certified lymphedema therapists, uh, and it, the training involves a certification course, ideally, uh, that's 135 hours of training that includes uh, didactic or classroom-type training and mm-hmm. hands-on training to learn all of the facets of complete decongestive therapy and how to take care of lymphedema patients.
1: And so you you would learn in that training for example how to do the manual lymphatic lymphatic drainage that you talked about you would learn how to do the compression bandaging things like that
3: Yes. So the first thing that happens in that training is a lot of training about the lymphatic system. One of the things that uh, I was surprised to learn about, and I can't speak to every medical school in the country, but typically there's about a day of discussion of the lymphatic system in general medical education. And that's why we don't know so much about lymphedema because it's not talked about so much. Uh, So Mm -hmm. we do a deeper dive into the lymphatic system and really learn how the lymphatic system works and how it's routed in order to help patients with essentially rerouting their own lymphatic system to areas where their lymph nodes will work better. And so then we also learn things like the massage that we were talking about, manual lymphatic drainage, um, multilayer compression bandaging to bring swelling down, and then how to get patients into the appropriate compression garments and how to guide them in that area.
1: Got it. Got it. Um, Amy, let me turn to you. Um, I know you have a pretty active life. Um, What changes have you had to make since your diagnosis in terms of really everyday life, work, outings, trips? Tell us about how you manage, particularly manage your lymphedema diagnosis and how you have to plan for that and around that and how, you know, what sort of ongoing um, work do you have to put in to try to manage the symptoms of that?
2: Yeah, no, good question, Um, because I think with everyone that's diagnosed with cancer, life still moves on, unfortunately, and there's a lot of things going on. So,
5: um,
2: yes, I was pretty active with working out all the time and working. Um, I have a full-time job, no kids, um, but I definitely was busy. And so when this all came on, um, I think to my, like, how I went through it was this is going to be a blip in the road Um, for me is how I looked at it. It's not a fun journey sometimes. Um, I understand that but I think just making sure that you're doing what you can to prevent things from coming on or trying to help things is basically kind of what I went through. So, yes, did it change a little bit of my life? Yes, I didn't work out as much. Um, I tried to, but I also listened to my body, and I listened to my doctor's recommendations. So those are two important things, I think, for most people to kind of listen to themselves, but, you know, also try to do what you can. And then one of the biggest things I've also learned is You know, once you're kind of done with a milestone, you know, set something up that's going to make you happy and reward yourself. You've been through a lot, and so you deserve to go out, um, whether it's a trip, whether it's just going on a um, bike ride or going to a movie, you know, doing something that's going to make you feel good because you've been through a lot, and just being diligent in your treatment. Um, You know, they give you good recommendations for a reason, and just be diligent, and I've seen the results pay off in the long term already.
1: Tell us something you did to reward yourself, Amy, something fun.
2: Yeah, so um, actually last weekend I went out with some friends. Um, They wanted to take me out for treatment, Um, and my parents wanted to take me out because I was done with radiation on Friday. So that was really fun to look forward to. Um, Also, at the end of uh, the next month, I'm going to go to Sonoma Wine Country and Mm. um, go have some fun out there. So I definitely kind of said the month of February would be a little bit hard with some of the radiation, but I also have some fun things planned in March as
1: well. Nice, nice. I think our social workers, the cancer support community would agree with you. It's always important to have things to look forward to. So that's great to hear, and I think great advice uh, for our listeners. Um, Vanessa, um, aside from from a certified lymphedema therapist, a CLT, are there other therapists, specialists that might be brought on board to help with treatment, manage symptom management, things like that?
3: Absolutely, and unfortunately, a lot of patients may not have access to a certified lymphedema therapist in their area Um, and so I would suggest that the next best thing would be to find a occupational or physical therapist who has some training in Mm -hmm. treating lymphedema or works along possibly with a massage therapist who has training in lymphatic massage Uh, if that's not available possibly being treated by a uh, rehabilitation specialist in occupational or physical therapist or speech therapist, is ther- excuse me, speech therapist, if it's head and neck type swelling, um, mm-hmm. that's at least associated with cancer care or possibly uh, an oncologist. Uh, so the, the key being that uh, since lymphedema is a specialized area of treatment, it's usually not... Uh, treated by a general practitioner so Mm -hmm. the closer patients can get to someone who knows about lymphedema the better and the best thing is to not see someone who literally has no knowledge of lymphedema Mm -hmm. because things Mm -hmm. can go wrong
1: in that setting got it um vanessa i have about one minute until our break but just quickly are there any other types of medicine or other interventions or special diet that that folks should think about with lymphedema
3: well, in the pipeline, there there are clinical trials and uh, surgeries that are coming down the pike uh, for lymphedema. There's something called lymphovenous bypass. Uh, there's some research being done at Mayo in Florida and in Arizona, and I think there are promising treatments out there. Right now, I would stick to the conservative ones unless there's a clinical trial in your area, but um, there are new surgeries that are coming up.
1: Okay. Interesting. So we have to keep an eye on how the science is... Uh is progressing uh, and developing and use all the best tools in the toolbox and you ladies have certainly gone through a lot of those um, important tools today uh, for our listeners. This is frankly speaking about cancer. We're shedding a light today on uh, lymphedema. We're talking with Amy and Vanessa about the symptoms, about treatment, about how to manage uh, lymphedema, about the short and long term implications of a lymphedema diagnosis. we're not done. We have more to discuss uh, with Vanessa and Amy. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, I'm your host, Kim Tabledo. We're just going to take a quick break. We have more to discuss with Amy and Vanessa. Don't go away. We will be right back.
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed.
5: Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit mealtrain.com/mmt and enter the code Magnolia B, or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org.
4: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
1: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Agios, Helson and Janssen Oncology. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo. We've been having an incredibly thoughtful and detailed conversation about lymphedema with Amy Eversman and Vanessa Karelkin. Um, Vanessa, so Amy obviously is fortunate to be treated at a hospital that has an interdisciplinary team, including ACLT. Um, We touched on this a little bit in the last segment, but just expand again, Vanessa, Patients who don't have that sort of specialty or near a big cancer center, how how can they find help and, and where should they be going for help?
3: I would suggest that patients see a physical or occupational therapist or speech therapist in the case of head and neck swelling uh, who either um, has taken some courses in lymphedema or is associated with some sort of cancer treatment. That would be a good place to begin. There are some Internet resources we can talk about to try to find certified lymphedema therapists, but um, looking for rehab therapists is a good way to go.
1: Great, great. Um, And Vanessa, I just want to take a couple minutes to talk about the financial impact or implications of a lymphedema diagnosis. Are these treatments that we're talking about typically covered by insurance, Um, these consults with the CLT covered by insurance? What about the compression garments that are recommended? Are there potentially some out-of-pocket costs associated with lymphedema that patients should be aware of and potentially plan for?
3: Yeah, unfortunately, there is quite a lot of out of pocket costs, and that's mainly on the compression garment side. Uh, Right now, um, you know, insurance companies generally don't pay for compression garments, and Medicare doesn't uh, cover compression garments, but they're really essential in lymphedema care. Uh, Fortunately, therapy is covered, rehabilitation therapy, so when uh, a patient needs to see a a CLT or a rehabilitation therapist, that is typically covered by insurance. It's a very rare instance where that is not covered so the therapy is covered but the the needs um, in terms of compression and sometimes in terms of bandaging uh, supplies are not covered by insurance and can get to be very expensive for patients Mm,
1: interesting Um, ladies we are coming to the end of the show Um, Vanessa I know you wanted to share with our listeners two things that patients can do right now that can help with the symptoms uh, of lymphedema 2 evidence-based interventions what are they can you describe them
3: Yeah, so the two uh, two best evidence-based lymphedema treatments are actually deep breathing. uh, That's abdominal breathing, the type of breathing you'd learn in a yoga studio or um, or for relaxation where you uh, breathe and you make your abdomen come out when you take the deep breath in through your nose, uh, and exercise, exercise because... um, it, the lymphatic system runs right alongside our muscles and our circulatory system. So by moving and exercising and moving uh, the various parts of the body, uh, exercise can really help with lymphedema. Mm,
1: interesting, interesting. Um, Amy, you shared how important you believe it is for patients to be Uh, their own best advocate, and we know that you didn't hesitate to speak up when you were having some of these these symptoms. What words of advice do you have for patients and their loved ones, for our listeners today, related to lymphedema or even other aspects of their cancer care?
2: Yes. um, I think for just general purposes of your just cancer care in general, I think ask questions to your care team. No one cancer is the same. No journey is the same. And that's one thing I realized during all this, even though I have my support group, You know, talking to them, I was concerned at first, like, why are you doing this treatment? And I'm not doing it that way. But every one person is different. So do not hesitate to ask the questions to your care team if there are no stupid questions. Um, For the loved ones out there, you know, I had a huge support system of family and friends, and I was super grateful for that. Um, I think they would love to take the pain away from me. Um, So how they can help is they can go to your visits with you and be your second set of ears there's so much information that gets thrown at you and you're mm-hmm. already going through so much so having them help in any way you can is really going to help them actually help uh, you through it as well so those would be my two uh two pieces of advice
1: that's great and amy after after wine country which sounds lovely by the way um <laughs> what's next for you what are, what are your plans what are your goals what's next for you
2: Yeah, good question. Um, Well, as you stated um, in the beginning of the podcast is, you know, we're starting, um, I'm with a support group, Young Advocacy and Support, Mm -hmm. and we're basically kind of advocates, um, you know, for folks that are younger, like myself, that are also dealing with fertility. Um, So I'm kind of starting up that support group, along with trying to just get back into my normal kind of routine. Um, I don't think I'll ever be back to complete normal uh, right now, but I'm getting back into working and working out and just trying to, you know, go out with friends. Some of the things that I kind of missed out on a little bit, but now I can kind of get back to a little bit more of a normal life.
1: Great. That sounds great. We're happy for you. Thank you. Uh, Vanessa, uh, before we get to the end of our show, um, let's do a quick quick recap, if you would, Vanessa, what, mm-hmm. what are some of the symptoms that patients should be looking out for uh, as it relates to lymphedema? If they feel like they're experiencing those symptoms, what should they do? Where should they go? And how should they pursue a treatment plan?
3: So, um, if uh, patients have had uh, cancer treatment that um, has damaged or removed lymph nodes and they're finding that they're swollen in their um, adjacent uh, arm or leg or even um, on their torso or their head or neck... uh, So swelling or the feeling of heaviness or tightness of the skin or change in the clothing fit um, or the way jewelry fits on one side or the other. They should talk with their um, most trusted provider and tell them what is going on. If they suspect that they have lymphedema, the best thing to do would be to try to get to a certified lymphedema therapist who can evaluate them, Um, but if that kind of therapist is not available, I would say a rehabilitation therapist who's licensed, that would be an occupational, physical, or speech therapist who could evaluate them, hopefully who has some cancer treatment background, uh, who either would know what to do or possibly know where the right referral is, is the best plan for patients with concerns. And I would encourage patients not to give up if they are having a problem with swelling. Continue to search for the answer and do not give up because treatment is out there. It's just sometimes, you know, harder to access.
1: Great, great, great advice. Great advice from both of you. Um, Amy and Vanessa, I want to thank you so much for coming onto the show today. Um, Amy, I wanna thank you for sharing your story with us. Again, I mean, this is not a topic that people are talking about, um, but it's one that obviously has a significant impact on patients, impact on quality of life, and something that is critical to address. So I'm, I'm really glad that we are shedding a light on this topic. I think you've both given some terrific advice for our listeners. Vanessa, thank you for sharing such a wealth of knowledge uh, uh, on this uh, on this topic. Really, it's just um, it, it's terrific. It's really been my pleasure to have you guys join us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, I, I'm Kim Tebeldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. I just want to take a quick minute to remind our listeners that at the Cancer Support Community, we have a whole range of free support and educational services for people with all cancers at any stage of their illness and for their uh, for their family members and loved ones. We actually have 47 centers around the country where folks can uh, walk into our doors, for support groups, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction. We do meditation, relaxation and visualization, guided imagery. Um, Some of those those programs and our nutrition programs and exercise programs seem to be some of our most popular lately. We also have a helpline if you just want to pick up the phone right now and talk to one of our counselors. You can call us at 888-793-9355 if you're Quickly trying to grab a pen for that number. It's 888-793-9355. We have a team of wonderful uh, counselors who would be happy to chat with you and help with any questions, navigation, resources. Um, You can also visit us at www.cancersupportcommunity.org to learn about all of these resources. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo. Until next time, be well, do well, live well.